Good morning, everyone. It truly is good to be together this morning. Enjoyed the Sunday school lesson. God calls and God enables, gives power to those that he calls. I was, uh, it, was it was a joy to sit and, and have somebody teach that lesson. I've, I've had so many qualification messages over my time in, my, in the ministry and just wonderful to hear somebody else uh, expound on those verses. One of the things that I kept thinking of as we were going through the lesson this morning was, and I'm sure it came up in all your classes, that how wonderful it is to be able to call from among ourselves. And it's something that most churches do not do anymore, and, and there's, there's lots of issues go with, with calling trained people and what have you, people that are strangers to them. And different times I hear the comment, uh, how when they hear how we do it, they say, "Well, that's really neat. That's boy, that's a, that's amazing that you can do that. Call from among yourselves, and it's it's something that the early church enjoyed, and we also continue to enjoy, and it's a blessing. But you know, one of the keys to the keys to that is to have a spiritually mature congregation that the men are willing to serve." And as time goes on, I see sometimes in ordinations where, and sometimes there's legitimate reasons for people not, that are nominated to not serve, but I also see different times people saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. And that's the beginning of a, of, of a congregation that won't do it. And so that's, that's tragic. And so let's be a mature congregation where if called, we, we know God can enable, and we're willing to serve, and it's the way God has designed the church. Speaking of ordinations, uh, I'd just like to, to let you all know that we are talking about a deacon ordination for Myerstown to, uh, to try and replace Steve. In, I think I had mentioned that probably in 2021 we would do that, and so we have a date, and it's July 25th, 2021 for an ordination. We approved that at the Marystown District level and Marystown Ministry and also with Keystone. And so we'll be looking to you for your blessing. That is the most important. Sometime uh, in the next few months or so, we'll be asking for your blessing to move ahead with that ordination. Also, just a little bit about the district. We had a district meeting last week, and the way it's going to look, it's going to look a little different than what the Marystown Reading District looked like and what we're planning and it's this things could change over the years but what we are planning initially is that uh, there will be three district services a year Steve talked about the one this morning which is a, a Thanksgiving Day service which it's not it's Thanksgiving service I should say it'll always be on the Wednesday night prior to Thanksgiving and that'll rotate among the three churches so in 2020 Marystown's having it and it'll keep rotating and there's also going to be two song services every year on a Sunday evening. So every year there will be two Sunday evening song services for the district and a Thanksgiving service. Every other year there will be a sweetheart banquet. Uh, and that will also rotate between the three churches beginning with Myerstown having a sweetheart banquet in 2021. And so then every other year there will be a sweetheart banquet. Okay, for a message this morning, it's always a joy to have a, the Sunday morning message after a week of revivals, and you feel like the evangelist just said it all, and now uh, have, have a message. And as I was studying and preparing, I wasn't here Sunday morning and Sunday evening, but I, 
I know a lot of what was said during the week. I was here other evenings, and, and I'm just thinking, oh, I think, yeah, I think uh, Michael talked about this or that. But this is what the Lord led to me to for a message this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. When I was a, a child growing up on a farm, my dad was very safety conscious, however, there was one thing that he didn't uh, worry about too much, and that was uh, we, when you hooked up a wagon to a tractor or whatever, uh, hook, hook things up, we never put a keeper pin in to keep the pin in. And so I have many memories of driving out across the field and getting out to the harvester or whatever and looking back and, whoa, the chuck wagon's gone. What happened there? A little, little, little bumpy, and so that things like that happen different times because the pin would, would jump out. And so there's, there is a safe way to do that when you're hooking up a trailer to a pickup truck or a, or a wagon to a tractor, and that's this tiny little thing called a keeper pin, and you just click that thing in there, and it prevents the pin from jumping out. And it, it gives a, a sense of security knowing that that is there. It, is, uh, it makes things very secure. In 1 Peter, I want to read a few verses, and uh, one verse I want to really think about this morning as our text verse, but we're in 1 Peter, I want to read verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are, and this is our verse, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God, through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye re greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So this morning in the message, I want to think about being secure and, and uh, feeling the security that we have in Jesus Christ and looking a little bit at that security. In verse 5, the verse says that we are kept... Those of us who are born again, we are kept by the power of God. And that is security. We're kept by the power of God. Then it also says, unto salvation, or through faith, unto salvation. And there, it, makes it, it makes it conditional. Uh, we do not believe in unconditional eternal security. It's a myth. But we are eternally secure, as this verse points out, but it is through faith. And we have some electricians here this morning, and they, they know all about uh, laying a conduit so that you can pull things through it. I made a big mistake when we built the shop years ago, and I didn't run a conduit from the house to the shop. And so back in March, Nate and I were there. We were digging a trench, and now we put in a big conduit, which we'll probably never need. But in case we need to pull something else. 
But there it is, and, and we have all the wires we need run through that conduit. And I had to think of that as, as I looked at this verse, because we are kept by the power of God. What is that? What does that look like? But it is through faith. It's through the conduit of faith. It reminds me very much of the verse in Ephesians 2.8, which says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Through the conduit of faith is the way that it works. I've entitled the message this morning, A Wise Keeper and a Devious Enemy. A Wise Keeper and a Devious Enemy. And we want to think about uh, those two things this morning. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, and as we look a little bit more at, at the word and think about the word keep and keeper. The Gospel of John in the high priestly prayer in John 17, look at a few verses here and, and catch the, the heart of Jesus in his high priestly prayer. John 17, starting at verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Now notice that all the times the word keep and kept are in these verses. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those which thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil." Jesus is, is pleading with his Father to keep us from the evil. He is, uh, and he's, he's asking that, that there is a keeper pin there giving us security that the pin's not going to jump out and the wagon's going to run off, that we're going to somehow be distanced from the salvation which we received and are enjoying it, but that we, that we continue basking in that salvation which we have from God. The word keep in, in Greek is the word terio, and it means a watch. It means to guard from loss or injury by keeping your eye upon. That's important. There's different times in the New Testament the word keep or guard or watch is used, and it means something totally different. It means, it means like you would imprison something. And it, it's, it cannot get out. But the way that, that the word keep is used back there in 1 Peter and here in John, it means by observation and by keeping your eye upon, you would guard it. And so we all know that, that, there's a, that many times children act differently when father's not watching. When dad's not watching, children feel they, they feel the liberty to do things they wouldn't do when father's watching. And I can think back to my own childhood and many 
stupid things I did and times I got into trouble that if, if my dad would have been in my presence, I'd have never done it. I wouldn't have even thought of doing it. And so it's the same concept that we, that we get here with, with God keeping us. His eye is upon us and he's watching us. But what's important is that we realize that and we live our Christian lives knowing that we are in the presence of God and that he is at all times, his eye is upon us and he's watching us. It prevents us from doing things that a Christian should not do. We are created as creatures of choice. And when we choose to surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus, we literally escape from the clutches of Satan. We've experienced the new birth. We now have peace, joy, contentment. We have assurance of salvation. And we have all these wonderful things. And we have a very wise keeper that is intent on keeping us in that saved condition that we find ourselves in. We also have a very angry and defeated and devious enemy that we just escaped from. What does Satan do? He, he spends all his time setting snares and traps to entrap us and to trip us up in our Christian lives. And so he is our devious enemy. 1 Timothy 3.7 talks about uh, escaping from the snare of the devil and that's what the devil does he ensnares people and that's what he uh, excels in doing so we have this devious enemy that's observing our lives and trying his best to trick us or to ensnare us or to trap us his ultimate goal is to take away our freedom and ultimately to destroy us and we find ourselves as Christians in the middle we have Satan wanting to destroy us, and we have God, our Savior, who is intently keeping us, and he's doing it by watching us and observing us. His eye is upon us. And we understand from, from our experience as humans, and most of us can think back to when we were children, if you weren't sure about something, all you have to do is look over at Dad and see, what, see, what, see where Dad's at in this thing. And, uh, and you very quickly get, a, get an idea of, of whether this is an all right thing to do or not. It's been a long time since, since our children have been young and, and at home, or it seems that way. But we've been blessed to, to keep our grandchildren from time to time. And it's, it's, they're the same. Our grandchildren are the same as our children were. Sometimes I'll catch them. They, they're tempted to do something, but instead of just doing it, they give this look back at me. And it's like, really? Yeah, I'm watching. And so the same thing is true spiritually. God is watching us at all times. And when we're tempted to do something, we should take a, have a glance upward and know that God's eye is watching, he's, he's observing every, every moment of our lives. We belong to God. 
Uh, he, he is our father. We, at conversion, there was a change. We are no longer a child of Satan. We are a child of God. Satan operates by lies, trickery, and, and deceit, but God does none of the above. Everything that, that God does is out in the open, and he operates in the light, and his eye is upon us. It's not just somebody's theory that, he, that he's watching us. Uh, it's, it's the truth, and Scripture bears that out. And it's a deterrent for you and I to do things that are wrong, things that, that we should not be doing. And that's the way God intends it to be. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will guide thee with mine eye. And so that is his, that's what, he's, it's what God, is God is up to. He's guiding us. He's doing it with his eye. And when we live in this reality, it's very effective. And I need to, I need to constantly be reminding myself of that. And all of us need to live in that reality that God is constantly observing and watching us. And when, you, when, when I hear of, I can look at, my own, look at my own mistakes in my own life or see mistakes in other people's lives, and you, you ask the question, how could he or she do that? And I will guarantee you that if, if, they would have been, if they would have been realizing the truth that God is watching and, and observing every moment of what's happening, it would have been a deterrent from them, from them doing it. And so God intends that to be a deterrent. He intends us to, to keep that close relationship with him and to know that his eye is always upon us. Then you can ask the question, well, wouldn't it be much easier? So he's watching us. Wouldn't it be much easier if he talked to us? If he just say, you know, when, when you're tempted to do something, Lester, don't do that. Well, the truth is that he does speak to us. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the word of God. We have the brotherhood. And God does speak into our lives all the time. And the spirit does speak to us. Don't do that. While God's watching, the Spirit says, don't do that. And so we have that as, as a deterrent as well. God is a, is a very wise keeper of all those who want to be kept. You get that? All those who want to be kept. It, it's, it comes down to a heart condition. It comes down to loving God. It's called, it's called love and respect for our Savior God is, is, uh, is very intent on keeping us, and he will do it every time. As long as we love and respect him, and we, keep, we live in the reality that his eye is upon us. Now I would like to think a little bit about uh, our devious enemy and some of his tactics. The word devious means deceitful, tricky, scheming. And I just want to think about some common snares this morning that Satan uses to ensnare us. And there's, there's, there's thousands of them, and I'm only going to mention a few of them this morning that, uh, that I, I, in my mind, are maybe the most common. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that says this, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So it's important that we're not ignorant of the different ways and methods that, that Satan comes after us. 
And remember that as Satan is setting these snares and these traps, that God's eye is upon us. And God sees the snare. He sees the trap. He sees what, what we're faced with. And God is intently watching. And he, he has already given us the power in the person of the Spirit who lives within us to avoid that snare or that trap. And God is, is greatly pleased and blessed as we navigate through life, avoiding these different uh, snares and traps that Satan has set for us. And the first one, and I know Mike uh, touched on this one evening, and I'm going to be brief with all of them. But the first one is pride. Pride was the iniquity that was found in, in Lucifer and resulted in him being, being willing to become insubordinate uh, to God. He was thrown out of heaven for that sin. And the, our creator is always greater than the created. And whenever there's, a, whenever there's a, an element of pride lift, that lifts up in our life, we are taking ourselves out of our proper place and, uh, and, and pretending that we're greater than God who, who has created us. Pride is a snare of Satan. The Bible is very clear in the book of James. It says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And pride comes in so many colors and shapes. And every one of them is very dangerous. The only thing that we as believers can boast about is the grace of God that has saved us from our wickedness. That's it. Apart from that, we have, there's no room to be, to be bragging about anything. And so, one of the things that makes a congregation of, of God's children so precious and so beautiful is when there's, when there's a lack of pride there. And it's just a group of humble people there's just something so sweet about that, and that is what God wants, and it's where we need to keep our lives checked and make sure that we don't fall for the trap and the, the snare that Satan lays out to become a proud individual. The second one is riches. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, it says, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. It doesn't say uh, that riches is a snare, but it says those that will be, those that have a desire to be rich, fall into a snare. And, you know, it, it's, it's so crazy when you think about what we have here on planet Earth, the world we live in. Uh, we, we need money to survive. We, we, we need it to, to live and all those things. And, 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 but yet some people have this, this desire to have lots of it. And I just marvel at very, very wealthy people who are in their 80s and 90s and still don't have enough. And they're still digging and scraping. And it's like, what's the point? Really, what's the point? Uh, and it's, it, it's true that we brought nothing into this world. We'll take nothing out with us. Absolutely nothing. And so it is a trap of, of Satan for a, for a person to be wealthy. And it just leads to all kinds of problems. I'm guessing that uh, every one of you 
or maybe most of you, I should say. Uh, I know it happened to me numerous times in the last few months, and I was on the phone with my son the other day, and, and he's, oh, I better take this call. And then he, he oh, guess what that was? And it, the, the same call I'm getting, you answer the phone, hello, Lester speaking, and they say, your social security account has been compromised, and we had to close the account. Press one to speak to an agent who can help you resolve the matter. And it's a fraud. It's a ripoff. It's a, all they want is your personal information to, to, to take everything from you they can. And it's, it's, uh, that's just one of many. But those, those, the people that would do that, that are doing that, they are intent on taking uh, other people's belongings and stealing from them because they have a desire to be rich apart from working. And it just, it's a snare of, of, of Satan. Sometimes when, when I have time, I'll press one and then I'll share the gospel with them. And usually, usually it makes them angry. But last week I was blessed. Uh, guy was really quiet. I thought maybe he hung up. And after a long time, when I, I couldn't think of anything else to say, he said, thank you very much. Uh, maybe, just maybe, it's, it, uh, I sowed a seed that will, that, will, that will grow. And it's just a horrible snare that, that Satan has, and it has ruined so many people. Another one, and turn your Bibles to, to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Another one is, I just simply call it sleepiness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. And the verse says, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And the, the word recover themselves, really in, in the Greek, if you look, you look at it in the original language, it means to awake themselves or like they've gone to sleep. You need to be awake. Sleepiness or laziness is a snare that Satan, that Satan sets to entrap people. Uh, if my parents told me ten times, they told me a thousand times that idleness is the devil's workshop. And you've got to be busy. You've got to be doing things. And there's an element of truth to that. And so it, that's speaking physically, but it's also in a spiritual sense to be lazy is a snare of Satan. In this chapter, this is an interesting chapter, and it's uh, the Apostle Paul starts out in, uh, in the beginning of the chapter talking about being a good soldier. In verse 1, Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then you come to verses 15 and 16, and he's talking about studying. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. And verses 20 through 22, he's talking about uh, maturing in our Christian life. Uh, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. 
And so laziness, physical laziness and spiritual laziness is a, is a trap that Satan sets. It's a good thing to be busy. It's not a good thing to be too busy, but it's a good thing to be busy and to have plenty to do in God's kingdom and also uh, physically. And it's sleepiness or laziness is a trap that Satan sets. And you can mark it down. People that, people that are lazy many times have trouble uh, avoiding the snares that, that Satan has set. The fourth one is idolatry. And idolatry is, is, a, is a terrible thing. It is committed when anyone or anything takes the place of God in one's life. And it's so subtle. It can be children. It can be a spouse. It can be our occupation. It can be a vehicle. It can be a property. There's so many things that can start out in, in such an innocent way. And we as humans have this capacity within us to start idolizing someone or something. And it's a trap that Satan sets. And he just loves if he can get us caught up in it. It can slip into a person's life through things that seem so harmless and insignificant and yet can be so devastating. And we have to, we have to keep asking ourselves the question, am I idolizing this? Has this become an idol in my life? And we have to look at our Father and see what, see what He thinks. We have to listen to Him. We have to see. Uh, we know that He's watching us. His eye is upon us. Are we free of idolatry? And another one is fear. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. And I, I'm so convinced that, and I think we've really seen this in, uh, in the world in the last half year with the whole COVID-19 thing. The, the fear thing is so real, and it can ensnare a person. A person can get caught up to, to the point where they are just terrified. And when a person is, is fearful, they are no longer trusting God. Now there's, there's something to have, there's something to, to common sense. There is a time to, to realize there's a great danger in something and applying common sense. But when, when a person just becomes overcome with fear, they have fallen into Satan's trap. And he, he, he enjoys that. And it's, it's not to be found among God's children. And I, I'm, I'm blessed by, uh, in, the, in the last, since the whole, since the COVID-19 thing, I'm blessed coming to Marystown to church and not sensing a fearful group of people. That just blesses me. It is real. There is danger out there. But we're not fearful we're, we're trusting in God, and that is, is, is a tremendous blessing. Satan uses fear as a snare. Another one is, is the love of the world. 1 John 2.15, 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And there's so many things in the world that we can begin loving. But we are engaged to Jesus Christ 
we are betrothed to him. And he demands all of our affection and our love. And when we become distracted from that and we start loving things that are in the world, regardless of what it is, we are in serious spiritual trouble. And so we need to guard against that. Another one is ungodly company. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And the words rendered uh, communications in, in 1 Corinthians there has the idea of companionships and those people that we spend time together with. And we are to witness to, the, to people that are, that are not Christians. And so it's obvious that we spend time with people like that. But when, when, it, when it starts becoming a detriment to our spiritual life, it's a real problem. The old saying is, birds of a feather flock together. And it's very true that when, we, when you start spending a lot of time with a person, either they're going to start becoming like us or we're going to start becoming like them. It's just the way it works. And it's very, very dangerous to spend a lot of time with people who are not Christians because the danger of, of, of their thinking their way of reasoning, rubbing off on us, is very, very real. And it's a trap that Satan sets. It's one of the reasons that uh, our public school system and colleges of today, most colleges, are very dangerous because of the influence that, uh, that, that happens in a, in a setting like that. You can sit in a very uh, liberal professor's class and through the first couple weeks, he can keep repeating something. And, and you can say, well, that's crazy. I know that's not true. And about the 50th time he or she repeats it, it starts, you start becoming numb to it. And if you're not careful, you'll start believing it. And, and, and it just rubs off. And so ungodly company is a snare that Satan sets. And so we should always be... Uh, looking at those that we have close relationships with and that we're spending time with and make sure that we haven't fallen in to a snare that Satan has set for us. So we have a very devious enemy, but we also have a very wise keeper. What is our part? What's our part in all of this? How do we, how do we avoid from falling into a snare of the devil? It's actually very simple, and like I mentioned at the beginning of the message, and that is living daily under the watchful eye of our Father constantly. When you take your, your, your cell phone or your iPad or your computer and you get on the World Wide Web, so dangerous. There's so much good there, and there's so much danger there. If every moment that you're on there, and before you click on things, you stop and you, and you consider that God's watching me. He sees everything I'm doing. He's watching me. And his intent is to keep you safe. And he's going to do that through the conduit of our surrender back when we surrendered to him the faith that we have in him and we ask him to be our Lord and Savior 
We love him. We've, we've taken him to, to be our father. He's adopted us into his family. So we're an adopted child of his. And, and we stop and we consider, there's no way that I could hurt my father by doing this. I can't do this to my father. He's watching me. He loves me. He's adopted me. And he's intent on keeping me. And so that's our part in it. We have a part in it. God can easily, God, God keeps up his end of, of the deal every day. He will never let us down. He will never forsake us. He always has that keeper pin in there. He's always watching us. There's not a thing we can do that, is, that, that God doesn't see. And our part is to live in that reality and to never do anything that disappoints our Father. And as long as we live, by, we live by that simple rule, we are so safe, we are so secure, the wagon will never, ever unhitch. We will always uh, enjoy that security. So let's continue to live like that and be aware of God's watchful eye upon us. Let's stand for a closing prayer, and then, uh, Lee, if you have a, a verse after that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence in our lives, and I thank you that you love us that much, and you're intent on keeping us in that love relationship. Thank you, Lord, that you watch us. You are constantly watching us. And help us, Lord, uh, to live in that reality. And yes, it's, a, it's, it's your de by design, it's a deterrent from, from us getting involved in the many snares and traps that Satan lays for us. And so, Lord, help us to be children that you truly uh, are thrilled with and proud of, that, we, uh, that our relationship is that close with you and that we live each and every day to the fullest and live lives that are pleasing to you. Give us the grace and give us the humility, Lord, to live our Christian lives to the fullest and to follow you uh, wherever you may call us and to, to be intent on doing and accomplishing the will that you have for each one of our lives. So we leave here this morning. I ask that you would go with us and that uh, you would give us a good week and that we truly would strive to please you and knowing that you are watching us every moment. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.